Hello there, how you going? My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. Another episode, we are here for Endometriosis Australia. This is Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. March is all about raising awareness for this disease and our big day, the Worldwide Endo March, is coming up on Saturday, March 27. We've got a virtual event happening, the symposium. You can grab your tickets. Only $19. All money raised is going to the Endo Australia team, helping to raise money for research and education. All the details are on the Endometriosis Australia website. So go to endometriosisaustralia.org, grab your tickets. And don't forget as well, if you are enjoying this podcast, give it a, a rating if you want. Give it five out of five stars because what happens by giving it a rating, it actually lets others who are going through endometriosis know that this podcast actually exists. So get the word out there. Get rating. Thank you very much for all of your lovely feedback as well. Really excited to share this episode with you. It's with Olivia Hicks, who is an ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. She's a Hobart-based journalist. She's been through one heck of a ride when it comes to endometriosis. And she's going to teach you a very important lesson in this. Listen to your body. Here is Olivia Hicks in our latest episode. Enjoy. Olivia Hicks, thank you so much for your time to chat on the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Ellie. <laughs> just before we hit record, you were saying you're just making a nice cup of tea. You're just going to sit down, relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the vibe I want with this podcast. You too. If you feel like a cuppa, go and boil the kettle, make one, settle yeah. yourselves in, um, <laughs> and let's just talk all things endo. That's it. I've got my cuppa right here. <laughs> Just quickly, what's your fave cuppa? What's my, oh, at the moment it's chamomile and vanilla. Ooh, that sounds like a lovely yeah. combination. It's a great combo. It just really relaxes me for some some reason. Yeah. Sometimes we need it. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Especially when you're going through what you are. At the age of 26, you were diagnosed with severe endometriosis. And this is after 13 years of going through symptoms and trying to figure out what on earth was going on in your body. That's it. When did it all start for you? Uh, so it would have been when I was around 13 and I got my period, it would have been around the year before, so around 12 years of age. And from about 13, I was getting crippling back pain, um, really severe back pain. And along with that, there were heavy periods, I'd get cramping in my, my pelvis as well, but the back pain was what was really wrong. So I went to my GP, mum came along with me and told her about it. And she said, oh no oh, that's completely normal with, with your periods. That's totally fine. Look, I'll give you this medication, uh, take it. And she also said to me, look, when it's a nice sunny day and you've got back pain, just put your back to, to the sun and get the heat on, on your back. And she said, that will, that will really help you. There's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I just vividly remember that. I just, I just think to myself, Wow, that was that was her way of dealing with this crippling pain that for some reason I thought as a 13-year-old, I was like, this is not normal. This does not feel right. What was your mum's reaction after that? Because I know yeah. that if, if that happened with me, my mum would be like, well, let's go and get a second opinion. This is ridiculous. My daughter's <laughs> not going to go and lie in the sun and get some sun on her back and that'll fix her. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, my mum, she did try to to help me in other ways, but she too did have uh, bad period pain growing up as well, but was never diagnosed. diagnosed. Yeah, so we don't know whether she actually 
had it. So we just, to be honest, we just sort of kept going. And my, as the years went on, my teens, um, things started to get worse with my bowel and my bladder. I was 17 and I hadn't gone to the toilet for 10 days. Oh my gosh. And it was really bad. My, as you can probably imagine, and my stomach was so bloated. Yeah, how awful and the pain just from that and yes. straining trying to go to the bathroom. Oh. Yeah, it was really bad. So my parents took me to emergency um, because it was just to the point where I just couldn't fun I couldn't do anything, couldn't function. And they gave me an, an enema and they, could, they also gave me an x-ray and they could see it was all compacted in my bowel. Um, which was quite astonishing to see on x-ray. Yeah. Um, but I, anyway, they said, look, we'll keep you in. If you haven't gone by, I think it was the next day, mm. we'll have to do something drastic. But I, I went, I fortunately went to the door, to the door. <laughs> and I, and that was that. There was no explanation as to why that had happened to me. So they probably just said, oh, maybe you've eaten some bubble gum as a kid and it's all, you know, blocked up, that old wives' tale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was given laxatives to get it out and it, it, it helped. But since then, it's, the, the bowel has been a constant issue. Oh, no. And then it wasn't until my, my mid-20s that things were just very, very bad physically for me. Um, and at one point I was at work. I used to work as a TV reporter. Mm. And I was on the floor of the office and I was in the fetal position and I just couldn't move. And um, my partner, who at the time worked with me, mm. um, took, me to, took me to emergency and that was actually the first time a doctor, when I saw the doctor there, had mentioned endometriosis to me. And she said, have you seen a gynecologist? And I said, no, I've seen other specialists but never a gyno. That was the start of my diagnosis. That's when you got told the big word endometriosis and you probably yeah. went and saw gut surgeons and specialists and colorectal doctors to see what's going on with your bowel. All this time you didn't yep. realise, hey, it's, it, it may have to do with, um, you know, what's going on in your reproductive system. That's it. That's it. That, that, that part was completely missed throughout the years. It was completely missed. At hospital, they drop the word endometriosis and you just go, I've never heard of this. What on yeah. earth? So yeah. what was your re reaction hearing that? And then you probably got onto Google, I'm thinking. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, she said it to me. I can still remember this. I was lying on the bed. My partner was next to me and this woman doctor, she was lovely. And she said, endometriosis. And I was like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? And she said, yeah, it affects, um, you know, the reproductive organs. It's, it's quite, a, quite a significant disease. And um, I Googled it and I was astonished. At the time, it was one in 10 women mm. that were affected. And I was just blown away that I'd never heard of this disease, that no one had mentioned this to me before. And I was just, I was so astounded. Mm. It was unreal. And you're probably looking at the symptoms and just thinking, Okay, I, I tick that. Yep, that that's what I've been going through. Yep, those back the back pain I had when I was thirteen. That all links yep. up. The painful periods, like this is this yep. must be it. So it was, yeah, you went to a gynecologist, and then did. they did the laparoscopy for you, and they discovered that you have stage four. They did. They discovered that. She said that. Um, fortunately, at the time, I the the disease was caught in time on my bowel. If it, if I'd left it any longer, it was like millimeters like very very close to ending a, a colostomy bag 
because it was that far infiltrating into my bowel. But fortunately, my, my doctor, who's an excision specialist down here in Hobart, was able to remove it. Um, and that was in 2015. But I've had three surgeries since then. So it keeps on coming back? It keeps coming back. And it's not always in the same spot. So it can be like, it's always on my bowel and it's always on my bladder. Yeah. Um, but like the first time was the worst, obviously. Mm. Like it was everywhere. Everywhere. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was in so much pain. That recovery was awful. Yeah. Um, as you can probably imagine. It, uh, and I was so naive at the time. I thought to myself, I probably have endo, but I probably have like mild disease. And let me tell you, they, would have, they probably said to you, oh yeah, you'll be right. You can go back to work after a couple of days. It's just, it's minor well, actually, surgery. You'll be was, fine. That, <laughs> that was my opinion. My doctor actually said to me, look, I think you should take at least two weeks off work. Oh, your doctor's great. No. <laughs> I know she's amazing. But, she, but I said, no, I'm sure I'll be fine after a week. I'll be fine. I'll be right. Oh, my goodness. I could not be more wrong. It was, oh, I felt like I had these sack of potatoes just, like, connected to my stomach and they were pulling. It was just awful. It mm -hmm. was so awful. Mm. You wouldn't think that it would hurt so much afterwards because it's all the scarring and everything going on on the inside. And then the other thing that really caught me was the shoulder pain from the gas oh. that they put in your belly. It's amazing what you're like, hang on, I thought I had surgery down there, but why am I feeling this up here in my shoulder? I remember waking up from that surgery and I was I was obviously in pain in my pelvic area. But this shoulder pain, I was like, oh, my shoulders are really hurting. And the nurse was like, it's, the, it's the, the gas pain that you get. And I'm like, this is really bad. I get such an awful pain. Mm. It all started when you were 13 years old. And then yeah. you would have been going through your formative years, your teen years, school. Yeah university trying to set up your life and you're still each day in day out there's there's pain for you yeah that must have been such a freaking hard time not only physically but emotionally as well it was it was really hard my parents tried their best you know they did take me to like I said all kinds of doctors to see what was going on and I was having tests and all of that kind of thing they tried really hard to to get me some answers but you know as a teen and I was quite a studious teen you know I would work, I'd study a lot and um, it, it was hard it was really hard and then when I was 18 um, you know the, the emotional aspects of endo really hit you but I lost my dad suddenly and that um, just compounded everything on top of that and it was it was a really tough time and you know all through my my early 20s you know prior to my diagnosis was like treading water almost it was just you know day by day um, you know yes I, I'm in pain yes I've got severe bloating I uh, can't go to the bathroom um, you know but it was I just kept going I just I, I knew there was something wrong with me and I just kept fighting for it you pushed through and yeah you still forged an amazing career as well as a journalist and oh, as I mentioned you. you you got into tv doing the reporting and like that yeah. that's no mean feat that's a hard <laughs> thing to get into yeah I was fortunate enough to get a job down here um in Hobart when I graduated and it is a hard slog like it's very competitive industry and um, I was often hiding what I was going through mm. because you don't want to seem weak you don't want to seem you know that you can't do your job properly because there'll be someone else who'll be you know happy enough to go into your spot you know at 
in a second. Olivia, that's so, exactly what it, it's like for me working in the radio industry and during the really yeah. hard times, it was like, I'm going to push through. I don't care if I'm in pain or if I'm on the studio floor between songs. Yeah. It just felt like so much pressure was put on me to be at work because there was that kind yep. of no one ever said to me, oh, there's someone knocking at your door kind of thing. They'll take a job. But it's kind of in your mind you go, I have to be here because or else I'm going to lose my job. The employers won't understand what's going on because this is women's Mm. business and they'll just dismiss it. And, you know, previously I had some awful stuff said to me from from male bosses who just didn't understand. Mm. Now it's a different story. I'm so lucky to have an understanding workplace who just mm. get it. But it really breaks my heart when I hear that there are women who are pushing through every single day and not getting yeah. the respect yeah. from their workmates and their colleagues and the management because they don't understand it. Mm. It's hard. It's so hard. I mean, I've been fortunate to have quite good bosses and quite good work colleagues. But at the same time, I mean, when I was in TV, I would go on to a job, you know, I'd be in pain, um, interview the person and then come back to the office and, you know, put that all into the system. And then I'd be in the bathroom on my hands and knees trying to get some relief because that is, that for some reason, that is a way for me to get some relief mm. with being on my hands and knees. And I was on the toilet floor doing this. Mm. And it's an awful situation to be in, but that was the, my reality and that's the reality of so many girls. Mm. And you mentioned as well in your bio that cancelling plans and you really yeah. do socially struggle. Oh, so much. Like, I feel like you cancel your plans and you feel so guilty because you physically can't. You physically can't go there. You physically cannot see these people that you want to see. And, Mm. you know, I've cancelled family plans and social events and I've had to postpone um, catch-ups with dear friends because of this disease. And it, it feels very isolating when you do that because... I mean, I look fine on the outside and that's what people see when they see me on, well, I was going to say a good day, but it could be a bad day. So. Mm. But, you know, I do seem fine on the outside and then I go and cancel that uh, plan, a scheduled event that night and it's like, well, you were fine in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only those true friends that really do understand. I mean, I've lost contact yeah. with people just because I was cancelling constantly and I just don't think they understand and then... You know, they hear me talk about it and go, oh, like they genuinely feel bad because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's important that we have these conversations and open up about what's going on in our lives. Mm. And you also mentioned as well the ongoing medical costs, which is something that really can catch you off guard if you're not ready for the endometriosis yeah. journey and what potentially you might have to be funding for. So, you know, surgery, mm. um, the, the medications, um, maybe you need the, the pelvic floor therapy and all that stuff, it all adds up. My word, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, I haven't added it up for my costs throughout the years. <laughs> I don't but, want to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It would be a skyrocketing amount. I, I mean, I didn't have private health insurance when I had my first surgery. I thought I was relatively healthy. I mean... Apart from the, the bad days, I, I seemed relatively okay and I didn't have private health insurance and then I was told to get it and then it wasn't covered. Mm. My first surgery was not covered because of the waiting time. And so that was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that I had to fork out. Fortunately, my mum was able to help with that as well but and my partner But and they're amazing. Like They will... They will help me with anything financial with this disease to help me get 
get through it. But that's the thing is that these other these other um, treatments, I suppose you could call it, that we can do for physio, as you mentioned. I mean, going there every, every week is expensive and so many people cannot afford that amount adding up all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. It is cruel. It is cruel. It sounds like you're very lucky to have an amazing support network in your mum and your partner standing I am. next to you. Yeah. Like just... It, and that is something, you know, I count my lucky stars that I've mm. got my husband, Jamie, and and my parents as well. And even, you know, my brother and sister-in-law, they're so understanding. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, it really breaks my heart that, that people have got family members who don't understand it. And it's just like, I I know, I know. I'm very lucky as well. Um, my partner Matt is incredible. I've been with him for eight years, so he was with me prior oh, to my wow. diagnosis <laughs> and through my diagnosis, mm. and now after. Um, and my mum and my brother are also very, very amazing <laughs> to have. And I do feel for those people that don't have that support network yeah. um, because, wow, I just it would be such. It's an isolating journey anyway, but to not have that support, I, I couldn't imagine that. It's good when the team at Endometriosis Australia, like they've set up that little Facebook group so people can have chats yeah. if they're feeling lonely yeah. and just vent about whatever. Your partner, Matt, it's really interesting when you do start a new relationship and you're going through pain when it comes to that time of the month and periods and all that. And it's, when did you first kind of mention to him, hey, there's something going on downstairs. Uh, no, we just started dating. Um, anyway, just wanted to let you know. Yeah, well, I mean... For myself, I didn't know, I didn't have a name for it, but I knew that there was something not right. Like, mm. I actually, <laughs> well, if I can say this, but I actually Googled, believe it or not, whether you can be allergic to sperm. I actually did. Oh. I actually Googled that because I was in so much pain after. Wow. Because I just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Yeah. But I knew that there was something up. And, then, and my partner was, um, like, Matt's been, always been very supportive. And I, you know, I'll tell him, you know, you know, what, whatever. Mm. And there was no, like, no judgment. There was just support from the get-go. Mm. And he's, he's been an amazing support all through this whole journey and continues to be. And I'd be lost without him. He's I a think. keeper. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> he is. And... Yeah. So um, I would love to know, um, we do get lots of young people tuning into this podcast who are just learning about what endometriosis is. You know, they're going through school. What would your piece of advice be to those people? I think pain is not normal. Pain during your period, during the month, if it's keeping you away from your studies or your work, forcing you to cancel events and social catch-ups, that's not normal. And I think that within yourself, you truly know something is wrong. And for me, I kept digging and I kept going for, I kept trying to seek answers. And I would just say that to other people out there, just just keep going, keep asking questions. If you're not happy with your doctor, see another one. Um, just keep going until you find that diagnosis. That would be my tip. And find a good support group as well. I think it's yes, great as a yes. thing that I've really taken from this. Really, there, there are so many. And like you said, the Endo Australia one on Facebook is really, really good and they can get so many answers from those as well. So how are you feeling at the moment? I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm when going was okay. Your, um, when was your last uh, operation? 
Uh, actually, what's the date today? Uh, today is it... oh, March 19. 19? Oh, wow. So it's actually a year tomorrow. Oh! I had my, my third surgery. You're going to have a cake yeah. in celebration? Or... <laughs> I know! <laughs> um, so it actually, because uh, the pandemic and everything last oh, of year. Of course, still... yes. No. Uh, it got brought forward to the 20th of March. Um, and, yes, yeah, so it's been a whole year since then. And how have you felt since then? You're feeling back to kind of normal, normal as you can be? Uh, it's, I'm still, I mean, for me, the pain comes back, seems to come back within six months of the surgeries. Mm. And that's where I'm at. The pain is, is back, the bloating is back, the bowel symptoms back. Um, I'm seeing my specialist next month um, again, so we'll see what she says. But, I mean, I try and keep those surgeries prolonged for as long as possible mm. because I know that, you know, the other things that can come with surgeries are not good for mm. your body. So um, that's where I'm at. I mean, I, I do a lot of self-care and I, I do lots of reading and I relax at home um, and I just like to – and I prioritise sleep and I prioritise rest because that's really important for me and my body to recover from the day. And yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah. So that's a really important thing too, is listen to your body and rest. Oh yeah. I know yep. that I, we used to, I'm just a go-getter. I'm like, I have to keep doing things. And then it's only been in the past six months that I've actually realized, Ellie, your body's trying <sighs> to tell you something and you need to slow down. You don't need yeah. to do 10,000 steps today. Just go, sit down on the yes. couch, read a book, have a cup of tea yeah. and just, just, just send time. <laughs> yes. It's so important. I, I didn't, um, this, this, if one, if one thing this disease has taught me, it's listen to your body. And when your body is trying to tell you these, you know, you need to rest or you need to just stop. You need to not walk that extra kilometer or something. You know, you need to listen to that because if you don't, it's going to pay you for it. Olivia Hicks, you are a wonderful ambassador for Endometriosis mm -hmm. Australia. You are based down in Tasmania. I do see your posts all the time. You're constantly sharing your journey and I think that you mm -hmm. are absolutely gorgeous with being a voice and that's the most important thing. Oh, thank you so much, Ellie. I really appreciate your time and thank you for letting me be part of this podcast. Yeah, I'm giving you a big giant hug through the, the vir <laughs> a virtual hug coming your way. And one day I'll get down to Tassie. We will enjoy Yay! a cup of chamomile tea together. I would love that. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Lock it Anytime. in. Thank you so much, Liv. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Ellie. Isn't she just gorgeous? Love, Liv. Thank you so much for telling us all about your journey with endometriosis. The big piece of advice I learned from her, listen to your body. I've got that now written down and I'm going to look at it every single day. I'm going to see how I'm feeling. And if I'm not feeling the best, I'm not going to push myself. Listen to your body. Uh, thank you again for listening in. And I really am looking forward to sharing the next couple of episodes in this podcast with you. Don't forget, give this potty a rating. However many stars you like, preferably five. Uh, because by rating the podcast, it helps to get the word out about this potty and I would love to be able to continue the conversation for Endometriosis Australia simply through this podcast channel. It's a great way of doing it and I really appreciate your time, your feedback and for listening. Take care. I look forward to chatting with you soon.